Hello, my name is Sam Becker, and I'm the Brookings First United Methodist Church's Worship Technology and Media Director. On behalf of our pastors, Pete Grassow and Krista Ducker, I welcome you to this episode of Messages from First United Methodist Brookings. This podcast is a full audio version of the sermon and scripture from each week's Sunday morning and Wednesday Manna in the Middle services. You can watch the entire service on our website at brookingsmethodist.org and on our Facebook page at Brookings First United Methodist Church. We have a familiar text today for many of us as we begin this series. It's called Drawn In, Participating in the Creative Work of God. And so we thought the best place to start would be in the beginning. (laughs) So that's where we're going to start. Our text comes to us from Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, and then 31. So I'm going to read that for us. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. That's the word of the Lord for us tonight, and we're grateful to receive it. So we're beginning this series, Drawn In, Living the Creative Life with God. And it begs the question, how do we, in the midst of our distractions, our struggles, and our everyday annoyances, tap in to the creative power of God? The God who made us and loves us and desires our ultimate flourishing for his kingdom. And so perhaps as we consider this question, it's fitting that we begin literally in the beginning. (laughs) In the Hebrew Bible, which is our Old Testament, the first word of the first phrase of our shared scripture is Bereshit, in the beginning. It's also the literal title of the book. In Hebrew, they just took the first word and made it the title of the book. Our English version version of the book, of course, is called Genesis, after the title of the ancient Greek translation of this book. The Greek word genesis literally means origin or birth. So what we have in the book of Genesis is, to begin with, the origin story of all things. The beginning. In the beginning. And I don't know about you, but when I hear these first verses of the book of the origin of all things, a picture just forms in my mind. I can't help it. It's like my imagination takes over and and I can't help but see the sphere of the earth, pristine and jewel-like in a vast black cosmos. It's awe-inspiring to reflect on the origins of this beautiful blue planet we call home, and indeed of the universe and the very cosmos itself. But for any of us who've been alive since the latter half of the 20th century, there's a very real truth 
We have a concept of our planet and our cosmos that was entirely unknown to the ancient Israelites who were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write down the story of the origin of all things. I mean, have a look at this picture. The image of the earth on the screen hanging in space. That image was taken by Bill Anders, an astronaut with Apollo 8 in 1967. See, before humans had the ability to leave Earth's orbit, no one had seen the Earth from that perspective. Some of us perhaps remember that moment when the first time we saw the Earth hanging like a marble in space. So the ancient Israelites had no concept of this when they were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write their story. Imagine if your understanding of all things was limited to what you could literally physically see around you. Even if you could climb the highest mountain on earth and look out on a clear day to the edge of the horizon, your understanding of the cosmos would be limited to what you could see. So that changes the perspective. So think about the ancient Hebrews inspired to write the account of God's creation of earth of which we have two versions in our scripture, Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. I want to place us as much as is possible within their understanding of the cosmos, the world around them, the heavens and the earth and everything in them. Thankfully, we've had some help with this over the years. So let's have a look at a visual representation of how they might have understood all of creation. Let's look at that. So this is kind of a Hebrew, ancient Hebrew understanding of the cosmos without the help of space travel. <laughs> you see at the top, there, there are these domes above the earth, heaven, which is the dwelling place of God. And then that's the highest heaven we hear sometimes in biblical literature. There's the water above the vault of the sky. And then, of course, the vault of heaven, you've got earth and the underworld underneath, Sheol, and the pillars of the earth. It's fascinating, isn't it? Think about it. You could see how some might think that there's water above the sky. It's blue, right? So it's a fascinating thing to think about. And you can find language that demonstrates this worldview, this view of the cosmos in our scripture, in the Psalms that talk about creation, like Psalm 104. Here's part of it. It says, bless the Lord. Just listen. Bless the Lord, O my soul, as you look at that picture. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty, wrapped in light as with a garment. You stretch out the heavens like a tent. You set the beams of young chambers on the waters. You make the clouds your chariot. You ride on the wings of the wind. You make the winds your messengers and fire and flame your ministers. You set the earth on its foundations so that it shall never be shaken. You hover, cover it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. And so we get this image we can even hear in the Psalms and in the language of the Bible, this understanding of the created world. It is beautiful language attributing the whole of creation to God's sustaining creative power and care. And though our scientific inquiry over the millennia has broadened our understanding, it only serves to broaden also our wonder at the vastness of God's creativity. 
as our awareness grows of the cosmos that surrounds this little blue planet. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 tells us that God's creative work began with the Ruach of God, which hovered over the vast deeps. Like so many Hebrew words, this can have so many layers of meaning. Speaking in purely physical terms, it really just means breath or wind. But on another level, it can also mean spirit or even life. In other places in scripture, the words ruach, hakodesh, are translated as spirit of holiness or holy spirit. So this phrase can mean all kinds of things. It can mean God breathed over the expanse or that God's spirit, God's life force moved over the depths with creative generative force. See, in our, in our age, we're so rational and scientific, we really want to pin it down to one thing. But perhaps we can open our understanding. Creativity might compel us to see this differently. God's life-giving creative force moved upon the nothingness and made something. Starting with light, and then day and night, and then sky and sea and land and plant life and stars and planets, birds and sea creatures, land animals, and finally human beings in our account. And every time God creates something new, he declares something over it. I'll bet some of you know. Can anybody guess? What does God say every time God completes an act of creation? It's good. We heard it already in verse 4. God calls it good. In fact, the words are exactly the same. Almost every time, God saw that it was good. And then finally, on the sixth day, when all is completed, God steps back one more time. And verse 31 tells us, Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. You might almost imagine God like a contractor at the end of a big project, just setting back to admire the work. Yeah, that's good. You know what? That's not just good. That's very good. Tov ma'od. That word means fantastically good, amazingly good, really, really good. <laughs> it's this wonderful word that helps us remember it is a magnifier of the word good. Incredibly good. God made creation good. God made the world good. And then God made you. And it was very good. Yet, so often we find ourselves looking at the world around us and thinking, but it's not good. It's not good. Sometimes relationships are not good. And sometimes we look at the way we've stewarded these beautiful global resources or our collective human resources or our scientific resources and we wonder, is it good? And even sometimes, perhaps, we may look at ourselves in the mirror and find that good is not the word that comes to mind. 
But that is not God's design for us. God's design is good. God's design is good. You know, we're at this time of New Year's resolutions. And I kind of read from the internet, the social network Strava, which I think is for athletic types. I don't know if anybody knows it. I had never heard of it. But they noted in a 2018 survey that by the second Friday in January, those New Year's resolutions (laughs) start to fall by the wayside. They start to crumble. Most of us find it so difficult to stick with these things. And yet, many of us keep making them every year. And I, I often wonder why it's so hard to keep these New Year's resolutions. And I wonder whether it might have something to do with our starting point. How many times do we think when we're making a New Year's resolution, man, I did a terrible job with my diet last year. I better do something about that. That was not good. Man, I, just, I need to do something about my budget. I just did not, it was not good what happened last year. And so we carry this guilt and this struggle with us and we try to make a change. But what if we started from a different place? What if we started somewhere different? I'd like to try to propose a different practice for us. And maybe you can help me. Maybe you at home can help me. Maybe we can start something different for January's. What if instead of thinking about all the not good things, we want to change at this magical turning of the calendar from one year to the next, we instead focused on what was good? about the past year? What if we took our inspiration from Scripture? We stepped back like our Heavenly Father. We looked at all that has been accomplished, all the things that have been created, that we've been part of, that we've done this past year, because it's probably more than you think. What if we stepped back and we reflected on what was good? Well, you should have a sheet with you in your bulletin. If you are at home, you can look up on the screen. There's an opportunity for us. I don't know if I can see Ted around, if if he could come. Um, If he's not here, there he is. I wondered if Ted could help us. We're going to take just a couple of minutes and reflect. We've got a little time. So I want to invite you to take some time to reflect. If you've got a pen, maybe if our ushers, there's some pens around, we could pass some around. Write down a couple of things. Think about the last year, if there was something good that you can write down on your list. So Ted's just going to play some music for us for a few seconds. We're just going to take some time to reflect on that. And you can do that at at home as well.
So I hope you have a couple of things on your list, or maybe in your mind. But let's not stop there. I want to challenge us, after tonight, to go home and pick one of those things. One of those good things that happened last year, and ask God how you might keep the good thing going. How could you build on that good thing that happened last year so you can continue to grow and multiply? Because that's what God asked and commanded us to do. Didn't he be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth? So how can you make that good thing multiply this year? How can we continue the good creative work that God has already been up to in our lives as we head in to 2022. God is up to something good in your life, in this community, and in the world. So let us commit, despite it all, <laughs> in the midst of it all, let's commit to participating in that together. Thank you for listening to today's message from First United Methodist Brookings. To get every message delivered to you, Subscribe to this podcast for free and leave us a review wherever you get yours. And be sure to watch for new podcasts from us launching in the coming months. You can always find more information about our services and outreach on our website at brookingsmethodist.org and on our Facebook page, Brookings First United Methodist Church. On behalf of the pastors of Brookings First United Methodist Church, Thank you for listening, and see you next time. This podcast was produced by Sam Becker on behalf of First United Methodist Church in Brookings, South Dakota. Intro and outro music was performed by our praise team under CCLI license number 936719, streaming plus license number 21039161. Visit brookingsmethodist.org for more information.